Welcome to Define Real. My name is Deborah, and I will share personal stories that will make you question reality. My intention is to inspire you and instill curiosity and magic into your life. I have 42 years of stories to share, so let's begin. Today I'll talk about a theme I'm passionate about and the trait of human behavior that I feel is lacking in our collective experience. I'm talking about disobedience. What's your first feeling and what are your thoughts when I say this word to you? Do you feel unease, fear, excitement or anger? What is your personal relationship with disobedience like? As I've told you in previous episodes, my childhood was violent and messy, no matter how obedient I tried to be. At school, I would sometimes be punished by defending children who were being bullied and told to be quiet and obey and let the adults take care of what was happening. But they never did. At home, around my teens, I realized that no matter what I did, I would be punished anyway, so what was the point of complying? We've been indoctrinated to believe that it is a good thing to be obedient to the system, and that includes every human being who has power over you. If you obey them and do what they tell you without question, you're a good citizen, person, daughter or son, and everything will go well in your life. Religious institutions prey upon this concept even more fervently. I'll address them in another episode, for I have many stories about their evil manipulative schemes. To be disobedient in a world that seldom rewards this kind of behavior requires intelligence, self-confidence, clear-headedness, and kindness of heart. The kind of disobedience I practice has nothing to do with violent outbursts or demonstrations of rage. These expressions of disobedience, although they look good in movies and feel good for the ego of those committing them, never bring anything constructive in the long term. The French Revolution is always an example I think about when reflecting on disobedience. People got angry to the point where decapitating other human beings was seen as a revolutionary act. They killed the royals and substituted them for the business aberrations we have to deal with now. (laughs) Was it worth it? Given that the level of human consciousness was lower than now, it was. Humanity evolves and changes convolutedly. But we are in the 21st century now. We should know better than to perpetuate more violence. Einstein proved that everything is energy. And whatever energetic belief we convey will shape the reality we will experience next. We are deluding ourselves if we think we can make progressive, positive change through any kind of violent act, big or small. Einstein wasn't alive before the French Revolution, so they didn't know any better, but we do. (laughs) To create long-lasting and prosperous change, we must change how we participate in the structures we disagree with. We must disobey societal rules and ensure we live from a place of creating the changes we envision for the world ourselves first. For instance, the last time I went to an art festival, I watched a so-called activist go onto the stage in front of hundreds of people and proudly wave a red flag with the words The earth is on fire. Everybody reacted with a standing ovation, while I thought, okay, obvious statement, but let's see where she's going with this. Maybe she's just opening her talk and will blow my mind. I'm always open to listening to what people say, even knowing the chances they will disappoint me are significant. This time was no different. 
Her drawings were stunning, but her statements were obvious and didn't bring any constructive solution to the problems she addressed. She said the earth would be so much better if there weren't humans living in it, which hurt my heart. Maybe it would be better without you in it, I thought. The earth doesn't need another complaining, depressed person making clever but obvious statements about a vastly complicated issue. Not even one solution was brought forward. For every blatant, empty statement she gave, she was applauded. I made sure to look around and see if even one person was disagreeing. No one. It's easy to point out bad things and use that to attract a despondent audience, but what are the solutions? How is other people, they declared. These statements made me sigh, and I never returned to such a heartbreaking environment again, no matter how beautiful the artwork looked on the surface. I felt trapped in a dark room, with people cleverly pointing out that the room was indeed dark. I'm more interested in the tiny candle in the middle of the room. Thank you very much. Thinking about global warming specifically, for instance, people say we should protest, not be quiet, go out and shout. Okay, Greta Thunberg has been doing that for years, and what has changed thanks to it? The world is even more frightened and enraged, but no significant change has taken place since she started. I went to a protest with her when she passed through Berlin back in 2019. It was amazing to see children protesting and being creative with their posters. It was the first time I saw a city taken over by children for such a profound and grown-up cause. But again, I didn't find any solution being presented, at least not out of what Greta had talked about, lowering the carbon emissions. Yes, I get it. We need to do that, sure. Everyone is repeating that. But what else? Is that the only thing we can think of? It is not working, Greta. And now you're joining together with an immoral evilness, preying on everyone's fear, masked as a philanthropist. That gentleman will never deceive me. He's way too damaged and unhappy to care about the well-being of humanity. The same thing happened when I moved to Paris and saw a large manif against the changes in retirement laws. But nobody knew when I asked what the solution was. Even worse, they didn't care. They just didn't want anybody touching their money. <laughs> You're probably going to ask me what we should do then, and what does disobedience have to do with it? To be disobedient means you don't follow any established structure accepted by societal consensus. You don't accept what someone is expressing on a stage just because hundreds of people praise what they're saying. It's straightforward to understand that, but quite challenging to put into practice. Suppose the well-being of our planet is of such significance to you that global warming makes you lose faith in humanity. That is a great sign that first, you still care about something, making you a great human being, and I am glad you're alive, and so does the earth. Second, if you feel like this, don't let the sorrow of this sentiment stop you. Use this emotion instead to encourage you to do something about it. Now, you can, for instance, go live off-grid. We have alternative ways of living today. Move out of the big cities where these kinds of problems are mostly perpetuated and causing the most significant impacts. Do your part. You're just one person, right? These problems seem insurmountable because we think we're too small to tackle them alone. If you do your part, I promise you feel better and automatically be off this pessimistic, painful and futile cycle. 
If you embrace these changes for yourself as the most essential thing in the world, you're going to be part of the change. You don't have to show off about it. There is no need to use these actions to feel better than anyone who is not doing it. You can have humility in this process and slowly apply these changes. Do this for you and the earth, not for everyone else. It might take some time because your life circumstances might not be easy to change to such a radically different reality, but then be kind to yourself in this process and make one small change at a time. Make a list of what is important to you so you can look in the mirror and tell yourself that you're doing the best you can with what you have. And no matter how unattainable it feels, you won't give up because this is meaningful to you. That's a type of disobedience that is impossible for anyone to control. And that's what we need now. Being disobedient doesn't necessarily mean being against anyone or anything. It just means making choices that make a lot of sense to you, but not to anyone else. It means, for instance, giving up a life of stability in Berlin to live in the Sahara Desert with the Bedouins for a few months without the internet, because you want to learn to live with less like I did. It means not being stuck in a dead-end job that is destroying your will to live and noticing the benevolence of your existence to keep the appearance of being successful between groups of people that, on a closer look, might not even care about you that much, or be even more bleak than you, but also saving face in ways you can't even imagine. Just because everyone around you celebrates and validates depressing and cynical behavior doesn't mean you must do it too. Don't listen to people who are depressed either. They will suck the life out of you and bring you to the same level of existence they are, which makes you much easier to control. You are much more valuable to a rotten system when you're hopeless about everything. You don't even need to notify anyone about it. Keep going your own way, obeying your criteria of what is good for you. To disobey what is expected of you without going into conflict or pointing fingers at people who choose differently. There's something else I need to tell you. I have dealt with excruciating migraines since starting this podcast and writing these episodes. I've never had migraines before. I feel like a side of me is effectively attacking me because of what I'm sharing. My whole brain hurts. It's so intense. I grew up being punished for expressing my opinions and convictions. I always felt compelled to speak for others who were being abused, and I was punished for it too, sometimes by the same people I was standing up for. They didn't want a loser to be on their side. I get it now, but what happened is that I internalized a huge amount of fear of being truthful and genuine with others. Even looking at this screen is agony. I'm glad that when I was in my teens, my father paid for typing lessons for me for some arbitrary reason. I learned how to type without looking at the keyboard on old typing machines. And who would have thought I would be so thankful for it today? I can close my eyes and let the words out of my fingers without looking at the screen, even if my brain hurts. Then, later, I know I can run this text through an AI and take care of all the misspelling errors. I'm disobeying a side of myself that is trying to keep me from evolving by sharing these words with you. And that is the most rebellious kind of disobedience, to be strong enough to go against your own hurts and wounds and slowly and kindly grow with them. That's how we change the world for the better. It's not a violent revolution that will help us with our challenges. It's one person at a time, disobeying everything they were conditioned to be, believe, and accept as truth. Before I sign off, I want to leave you with a reading suggestion. 
there is a book by Henry David Thoreau called Civil Disobedience, which I recommend you read even if you already know it. It is a short, inspiring and refreshing essay, even though it was written in 1849. I'm going to read a small passage, which includes words by Shakespeare, to wrap up this episode. I quote, I'm too high-born to be propertied, to be a secondary at control, or useful serving men and instrument to any sovereign state throughout the world. He who gives himself entirely to his fellow men appears to them useless and selfish, but he who gives himself partially to them is pronounced a benefactor and philanthropist. End quote. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some food for your soul. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, and stick around for the next one. Until then, stay curious, keep your mind open, and your heart soft.